Hello and welcome back to Not Just Paleo. I'm your host, Evan Brand. Thanks for joining me. If you're not on my newsletter, then you should be. You're missing out because I'm sending all sorts of cool pieces of information and articles that I do not post anywhere else and I do not talk about on the podcast. When you go to notjustpaleo.com, you'll sign up. You just type in your email. As soon as you get to the home page, you'll see the little box there and you get a free chapter of my second book called Stress Solutions. Justin and I are back on the podcast today to talk about infections that we actually found in ourselves. We test ourselves two to three times a year in all aspects, and we both showed up with some stuff that we have to work on. So we'll talk about what we found, how we found it, and then what we're doing to treat it. If you'd like to schedule a 15-minute free call with myself, you can do that back at the website, notjustpaleo.com. Let's chat about functional medicine, your symptoms, your health goals, and we'll see if we're a good fit for each other. All right, let's get started. Enjoy. Evan Brand, it's Dr. J, man. How are things going? Hey, things are good. Winter's coming. Unfortunately, it's rainy and cold here today. What about how you doing? Yeah, it's actually about 75 and sunny and really nice today. <laughs> so I, I do miss better. the weather. I do miss the Austin weather. Yeah, it's in general, it is quite good, especially this time of year. I was actually last weekend water skiing just before Thanksgiving, and it was perfect. I mean, the temperature of the water was great. I didn't even have to pull out my wetsuit yet. Wow. That's, that's awesome. I miss the weather and the food. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been a while since we chatted a bit. I'm, you know, I, I need my, uh, Evan brand daily dose here. Hey man, I agree. It's a pleasure talking with you as always. Absolutely. I know you've been doing the adrenal summit with Dr. Christensen, which is great. How did the summit go? Oh man, it went good. I think we ended up with like 60 or 70,000 people registered. So it was much bigger than Alan and I anticipated. I don't wow. know why or how it became so much more successful, but put it this way, I've spent many hours on the phone with HostGator trying to upgrade the hosting. We ended up having to get a dedicated server because they said, oh yeah, if this upgrade should handle your traffic. And then we upgraded again and still crashed it. So we ended up having to get an insanely expensive server just to handle the traffic. So I, that's a good problem to have. I've, I've, you know, I've not had that much success with something to continually crash and crash and crash website. So that's cool. Absolutely. That's a definitely what we call a better quality problem for sure. And if anyone's listening and wants to get access to the summit, what's the best way for them to do so? They could just check out adrenal reset summit dot com and they can check it out there's 34 speakers including yours which i think was definitely top three talks for sure your talk on conventional versus functional treatment of adrenal issues they can get your talk the transcripts all that stuff if they get the the full package that's awesome very very cool well today we talked about gut testing i know we reported on a podcast we did back i think early in the spring where we reviewed some of your lab tests and we also talked about reviewing some of mine. So today we're going to review some of my older podcasts or old, my older labs that we did on an earlier podcast as well as some of yours and some of the retests. And basically the moral of the story on this, on this podcast will be recurrent gut infections. Great. You've gone through a second, a third round. What do you do? What's the next step? And, and typically other things that happen like what if a new infection comes up that wasn't present the first time, which happened in your case that I'm really excited to go over. Yeah, absolutely. So where should we start? Should we start at my first symptoms when you saw me and you like you said, Evan, man, it looks like you got an infection. Where should we start the journey? I think there will be a good place. And then also reviewing the labs that we did 
back in the spring, kind of reviewing the results of those and then kind of sliding up to present day with you and present day with myself. Yeah, I want to hear about yours too. So with my with myself, you know, it took me a while, maybe three, four months before I actually got the test run. Life was busy. We were moving. You said, Evan, get checked out. That was like right when I was moving, you know, to back to Kentucky. Yeah. So I got the test done. I got that 401H run. And that's where we found the abundant growth of E. coli. That's where we found the cryptosporidium, the Giardia. Both of those are bad parasites. You do not want those. And so that's when, that's when you and I talked and crafted a protocol together about what we should do to get rid of these things. And then it took me from March until August to get the retest of the same lab. The crypto and Giardia, gone. Great. Did not show up with parasites. Nice. Something that was detected that wasn't detected before is H. pylori. So as of August, the H. pylori showed up, and then you and I chatted again about, well, what should we do now? What's next steps for gut for gut protocols for H. pylori? So I'm finishing up H. pylori protocol. I plan to retest probably January, February. I'll do a retest and see see what's going on, see if the H. pylori is gone. Um, symptoms, skin has improved massively i've showed you and yeah you're i can like, see wow. it in your videos you're, you're better skin tone a little clearer and uh less less redness or irritation so i can definitely see a huge improvement on your skin i didn't realize how inflamed my face was and having mm-hmm. breakouts i didn't realize how profound it was until it's gone it's almost like these infections have played ding dong ditch on my skin for so long that i didn't remember what clear good skin should feel and look like uh so that that's a massive improvement. Energy levels have gotten better. Sleep is way better. I was waking up in the middle of the night all the time when yeah. I had those parasites, especially around full moons. Now I'm getting some of the best sleep. Also adding the fact that I moved away so, from those high electromagnetic fields. Now I'm sleeping better than I have since I was probably eight, nine, eight, nine years old. Like wow. I feel like I'm sleeping like a little baby, like a kid again. It, it's remarkable. Love it. So in general, just kind of going back and letting the listeners know a little bit more about your history in case they're coming into this a little bit late. You did have a history while back with IBS, right? Yeah, that's what started this whole journey back 2008, 2009 when I was in college. I mean the first thing I had to do when I went into a building was figure out where the bathroom was because I may have to run to the bathroom. And that was a a life and a lifestyle strategy that I assumed – Maybe some people dealt with, but it just became normal, right? I mean, I didn't think anything of it. I knew it sucked. I knew it wasn't fun, but I didn't know there was a way out. And I went to the conventional docs. They prescribed three drugs, which I did not fill any of the prescriptions, acid blocker, antispasmatic, and some other type of drug. Did not take any of those. Removing gluten basically cured 80% of the issue, Yep. Uh, but 20% of the issue remained where I had this cyclical issue with my gut where every month or every couple months, you know, symptoms would pop up, maybe get some loose stool, and then things would go back to normal, and you think, oh, maybe it was just something I ate, maybe I got gluten somewhere, but no, it was these infections. Exactly, and the big thing too is some of the symptoms that you experience after you cut the gluten out, even though you had these infections, you had a big improvement with some of the IBS symptoms, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, those kind of things, but you still had other symptoms, right? You were very blood sugar sensitive. Um, you had the cold hands and cold feet, and sometimes you'd have some like some panic attacks, right? Yeah. Anxiety, I mean, heightened, heightened anxiety. Yeah. I remember, I remember calling you when I was still in Austin, we were going to move. And I said, dude, I, I cannot slow 
my heart down. My, my heart is beating out of my chest. This is abnormal. Now, granted, there was a huge amount of lifestyle stress. I think we were moving, right. driving cross country in two days. So, I mean, there was huge, huge impending stress, but I was still adrenally fatigued where I was not able to handle it. And my adrenals showed low, which I'm going to say is due to some of the malnutrition caused from the digestive issues. My fingernails, I had the vertical lines, uh, the weight loss, like I told you, and you saw me when I moved to Austin, I was about 160 pounds and I was down to like high 130s or 140. I lost 20 pounds in a year without trying, which some people say, oh, Evan, I want that problem. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not a good type of weight loss, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, weight has stabilized. I'm actually approaching 150 pounds. So I've gained back, uh, what is that, about 12, about mm, give or take five, five to 12 pounds, just depending on what my official starting point was when the weight loss stopped. And very little diet changes because you were really on point. I think the only thing I, we tweaked in your diet is pulling out a little bit more dairy. Yeah, unfortunately, I had to get rid of the the organic raw grass-fed cheeses that I loved. They're, they're gone. So now I just do a little bit of butter, some ghee. And you did a lot better. I remember seeing your skin really improve when we pulled out the the dairy, that last piece Yeah. There. Yep, absolutely, man. And then tell me about the, the cold hands and cold feet. How's that improved since we knocked out the crypto and the blasto, or no, crypto and Giardia? Cold hands, cold feet still there, like I told you. I, I'm wearing these elk moccasins with Any sheep skin in them. Any change at all, 5 10 15%? I, I say nothing. Okay. I think I think no change at all. But the bigger um, change you'd say would be more the mood stuff, the anxiety, those kind of things? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, okay. mood's much better. Brain fog. You know, Brain if, fog. We looked at, yep. if we looked at the oat, too— you know, we had high candida markers Fungus. on there. Fungus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the yeast problem was also causing bloating, which was unusual for me. I had never had bloating before. And when you see – we see people joke about, oh, I feel pregnant. No, for real. Like you can have massive yeast problems. That can be that can be successfully treated. So the, so the yeast is gone. I have no bloating issues anymore. But the cold hands, cold feet, we got to figure that one out. So if you help me figure that one out, I'm going to be eternally grateful. Yeah, and it could be some type of inflammatory type of thing that's affecting your thyroid or your adrenals. We'd have to look at your adrenals. Again, that'd probably be the next step, and we got some, some potential tests coming up soon. Go ahead. Thyroid thyroid looked good. I remember we talked about that. We looked at antibodies, looked at thyroid levels. I'd have to look back again, but it checked out okay. There was no, no Hashimoto's, nothing that looked really out of whack. So maybe we'll have to see once this new adrenal test that I told you about the other day, once we get that run on ourselves, we'll have to see what's what's changed. Maybe there's still some lingering adrenal issues. I would say so because any type of days where I'm really pushing it, you know, 12, 16 hour days, I feel it. I'm like, oh, that was too much, too hard. So I think there's still some adrenal recovery going on. And one thing we missed though during your last lab test, I have your lab test up here now. Do I have permission to, to go over it? Sure. Okay, cool. Your TSH came back really good, 1.290. Your T3 actually looked pretty good, 3.5. One thing I noticed, though, is your T4 free was very high, 1.82. That's off the charts. So I would be curious to see what your um, reverse T3 levels are like. I, I don't think be, it was on that panel, no, was it? No, it was not. Oh, I would not be surprised if your reverse T3 levels were very high because I'm seeing a very high amount of T4 and then a good amount of T3. So there's a, a spillage with that T4 to T3 conversion. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw an increase in reverse T3, which you know are the metabolic blanks that fill up the, uh, the space for the bullets in the clip, right? So wouldn't this be pointing us back to the adrenals mm -hmm. again? 
Yeah, one thing a major I think we'll factor. have to do next. Yeah, one thing I think we'll do next is we could talk about looking at the new BioHealth adrenal test that'll be coming out soon, which I'm really excited about that we talked about last week, yep. as well as comparing it to the Dutch. I love to see looking at both of those side by side what kind of intel we get, and I wouldn't be surprised over time once we get you fully infection free because that H pylori, like we said, is still there, so that's probably affecting stomach acid and enzyme levels and mineral absorption. So we got to yep. make sure you're on hydrochloric acid. How's that going with you? Oh, I take enzymes like Skittles. So I love How about them. hydrochloric acid though? Yeah, HCL. I'm getting about 600, 4 to 600 milligrams per with meal? each meal. I yep. would say taper it up to 3,000 milligrams per meal. So about five capsules of HCL combined. Um, in Dr. Jonathan Wright's book about you know why you need stomach acid, he finds people may need clinically up from 1,000 up to 5,000 milligrams of betaine. So I kind of go somewhere in the middle because I don't want you to get a peptic ulcer. So I would, yeah, I, I would try inching it up to four to five capsules slowly in the middle of the meal and just make sure you're not getting any warmness or irritation. So you're thinking about a, a gram on the low end then? On the low end, you should be starting there and then working your way up. I would go up to at least three grams. Okay. 3,000 so, milligrams, three grams. So with what I've been using, I've been experimenting with the Pure. I'll, I'll, send, it, I'll send it to you, but the Pure encapsulations one where they have, I want to say there's 250 HCL in each capsule and then plus plus all the enzymes. So what I do with so patients you like say yourself. Add, mm -hmm, go ahead. I was going to say, so... With these extra enzymes, I'm not sure if I really need X amount of protease times five. So I wonder. Bingo. Yep. H HCL by itself. Bingo. Then You're leading solution. Exactly. So when I'm dealing with patients, typically anyone that has a gut-related issue or we see digestive-related issues or digestive-related gut infections, depending on how bad their gut is, we'll either separate the enzymes from the HCL just so we can get the pill count more reasonable for the HCL because a lot of the combo ones are about 200 milligrams. So you need about three times more pills to get to the same HCL amount. And that becomes a little, you know, convoluted when you're taking 15 or 16 capsules per meal. So I would yep. do like the HCL, like in my line, it's the HCL Supreme at anywhere between one to five capsules, which is that'll, the five will get you about three grams to 3000 milligrams on the high end and then play with the enzymes between one and three one and two will probably be fine with the enzymes per meal. Okay. And when I say play with it, what I mean you see is what happens. with the HCL, you have a palpable effect, right? You get the irritation or the, the warmness, right? Those, that kind of feeling with the HCL, take it in the middle of the meal. With the enzymes, it's harder to say. So get the HCL dose kind of fine-tuned first. And then once you have the HCL yeah. dose, just taper up the enzymes and see if you notice an improvement with how you feel. Like it may just be lighter after a meal, um, better bowel movements. You just feel like there's less bloating or less digestive issues, better regularity. Start with one, see how you do, and then go up to two and see if you notice an improvement with any of those symptoms I just mentioned. If you notice an improvement, keep it at the higher dose. If you don't notice an improvement, you can just keep it at the one capsule per meal kind of standard dose. So how do you feel about upping the pepsin? Because other than we're going to be upping pepsin too, closer to a gram there for it, you know, three grams of betaine, we may be at a gram of pepsin. How do you feel about that? That's fine. Um, no problem with that. That's good. Okay. Yeah, no problem with that. So looking at your test, I would just say the thyroid. Um, I'd like to redo it with the reverse T3 and then follow up with those two adrenal tests, just because it'd be really great to biohack that and present it to the listeners. 
I know. Were, were the antibodies on there? I couldn't remember. Mm, they were, and they came back good. Five on the TPO, which is great, you know. Anything below the teens is fine, and then below one on the thyroglobulin antibody, which looked good as well. Cool. Excellent. Yeah, very cool. So recapping, right, you came back with crypto giardia to start and some fungal issues, right? And we retested, and then we saw crypto giardia gone, but H. pylori popped up. So this is kind of irritating for a lot of people that have an infection. They get it treated. We see some results with those initial infections being knocked down, but a new one pops up. And typically what happens is gut infections can kind of burrow in to the gut wall. So they go, you know, more superficial, right, more distal to proximal in relation to the gut wall. So they, they burrow deeper in. So typically what happens is the gut lining heals from inside I should say from the outer layer to the inner deeper gut gut wall layer. So outer layer to deeper gut wall. And if infections are penetrating deep into the crypts or into the gut lining or gut wall, then it may take time for them to show up on a stool test. So typically if we knock out those infections, they can hide in what's called the crypts. We can get this crypt hyperplasia phenomenon where they dive deep into the crypts. So if you look at your hand where your fingers meet your palm, that little indentation, that little U spot, that's like the crypts. So imagine the outer gut lining, right? The outer gut lining is like the fingertips, and the inner gut wall is like the palm, and it can hide in where those fingers actually meet the palm. And that's like the analogy of the crypts in relation to your hand so you can physically see it. So that's kind of as we go deeper in, we go from like the first knuckle to the second knuckle to the actual – um, palm part where the infections borrow deeper in in relation to your gut. Yeah, and we've discussed that on previous podcasts about healing from the inside out or the outside in, however you, you want to say it. But this is the proof right here. I mean, here these infections are, they're gone, but then something else is still there. So basically what you're saying is with this H. pylori, you're saying that would have been a deeper infection so maybe longer lasting, or you, you're thinking maybe the H. pylori, the crypto giardia, but since we're working from the outside in and we're working deeper now, that the H. pylori has now revealed itself. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I think it was always there, and now because the immune system has been supported by just knocking out some of these infections, and the gut has kind of healed somewhat, so we're kind of getting down into the deeper parts of the gut where some of these infections may have been borrowed in deep. And H. pylori is known to borrow deeper into the gut lining too, right? So two scenarios, right? Number yeah. one, or actually three scenarios. Number one, the infection wasn't there, and it was a new, it was a reinfection over the last two or three months during treatment. Scenario number two is the infection was missed by the lab, or scenario number three, it's the crypt hyperplasia phenomenon. And, you know, sometimes it can be typically two or three. The lab may have missed it. That's why a lot of times we run two tests with patients that we highly suspect have gut issues. And as you talked about, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but your GI map that we ran side by side, the 401, missed the H. pylori. So a little bit different. But the 401 also is the H. pylori antigen where the GI map was a DNA test for the H. pylori. So the antigen's the gold standard, right? We have a higher level of false negatives than positives. So the fact that we got a positive on the test is a really good sign. We know it's there. Yep. yep. So again, 
infections kind of burrow into the gut lining, deeper into the gut wall. So the gut's going to heal from the outside in, in being deeper into the gut wall where those fingers meet your hand, so to speak. And that's what tends to happen. We get these infections coming to the surface. So with you, we have the H. pylori present, but the blasto or the crypto and the Giardia is cleared. Is that correct? That's right. Excellent, because the Giardia and the crypto are much more virulent infections than H. pylori. I know. I'm glad those were gone. I was thrilled. That was a great day. And so we tweaked your protocol a little bit, and we're going to check in and see where you're at in the next month or two. Yeah, we'll see January. Come around the time of my birthday or so, we'll see what's going on. Hopefully I'll be uh, you know, infection-free for my birthday. That'd be a good goal. Yeah, I agree. Anything else you want to add to what we just chatted about? I don't think so. I'm excited to talk about yours. Yeah, absolutely. So I did some lab tests too. Okay, and I've been doing lab tests for years on myself, so it's always fun to see what new stuff comes back. Plus, so, where um, should we start? Where should we start your journey? I, I, I want to hear what you think is your starting point. Well, I mean, right now, gut-wise, I'm pretty darn good. Like, no real symptoms with my gut unless I eat some bad food. So, I try to, you know, for the most part, be 80% autoimmune paleo, and with the exception of, you know, some nuts and um, here and there, and a little bit of butter here and there. But outside of that, I'm pretty chocolate. pretty true. Yes, a little bit of dark chocolate. That's kind of debatable. Um, but, you know, high quality, 90% organic, you know, good dark chocolate. So that's kind of where I live most of the time. Yeah. And typically, I never cheat with gluten. If I cheat, I try to always make sure it's a gluten-free cheat just because, you know, why not? I have options to do that, and I know how good I feel being off that. So that's where I I'm agree. at there. I have a previous history of Hashimoto's, I mean, slightly elevated antibodies, so I got to be careful with gluten. So I'm really diligent to make sure that's a priority to not get exposed to that kryptonite for me. That's number one. Number two, I've done gut tests in the past, and I've had relatively good success with being clear with infections. I came back, I think, in 2009 with a with the equivocal Giardia infection. I cleared that out. Um, I had a lot of fungal stuff in the past. So I've really knocked out fungus, a little bit of Giardia in the past. And my most recent lab test on the 401, I actually came back clean. I mean, nothing. No growth, no bacterial issues, no nothing. So I was really excited about that. And then on the GI map test, I did come back with a little bit of C. diff, a little bit of salmonella, a little bit of enterococcus overgrowth, a little bit of Morganella morgani, and then a little bit of geotrichum uh, fungus and, and some lower enzymes. So, you know, I've up my HCL, up my enzymes. We're knocking out some of the bacteria, and that bacteria isn't that bad. That's kind of benign stuff. So we're knocking that down right now. And then I also ran the DRG. So I ran the DRG, the GI map, and the 401H all at the same time which is really cool. And on the DRG, I came back with a little bit of elevations in fecal fat, which we kind of suspect, right? Because my enzymes were lower. So we're up in the enzymes, up in the HCL a bit. That's, I, I'm confident it's helping. Ehisto came back slightly elevated. Come back, came back at 688 on the GI map. I'm sorry, on the DRG. Anything 350 or higher is considered positive. So Ehisto was an issue, which is kind of a not so good infection. So I'm working on it. So so say that one more time. So anything above 350 is a positive for the histolytica and you were what? I was uh, 688. So I was uh, almost twice the limit. Tell people tell people what that is just so it, they don't like glaze over and they're like, whoa, histolytica, what is that? Talk yeah, so it. entamoeba histolytica, it's an amoebic infection. Histo means cell, lytic means to cut. So it's an amoebic infection that cuts through cells, right? Doesn't sound too nice. We see it quite frequently, but it's, you know, on the nastier side. It's a 
pretty bad infection. Dr. Kalish was one of his weak links that really knocked him out for a bit infection-wise. Other people and clinicians I know have gotten it and been hurt by it. But it's a nasty infection. It's an amoeba, so it's going to be small. You're not going to see it in your stool. I do a lot of water skiing in Lake Austin, so it's possible maybe some water. I swallowed some water and I got it that way. I go to Mexico quite frequently, so it's hard to say what the vector was, but we're knocking it out. We're knocking it out right now. I'm on a protocol, just about to be finished, and I'll be retesting soon, and we'll report our retest results to the listeners. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I think I think it's probably – my guess is the water skiing. Now, what makes me wonder though, let's just say that if – maybe you did swallow water. You probably did, but what if it went up your nose too? So let's say you fall off the skis, the water goes up the nose. Could you get the same level of – what would you call that? I guess you would just call it infection. Can, can you get that same amount or, or is the same amount of susceptibility to the infection nasally as opposed to orally? I would say it's possible for sure. I would say it's definitely possible. I'm not a – I don't see many nasal parasitic infections. I mean you're going to have a lot of IgA and immune membrane protection there that's going to help kind of knock uh, things down. Plus I think well, – I just wonder – Sorry, I mean interrupt you. Yeah, uh, right. I was just wondering if you get it up your nose and then you feel it drain down into your throat and then go into the GI tract that way. Yeah, that's what I would imagine would happen because your body's going to produce um, mucus and things to, to slide it down into the gut because the gut's got a highly acidic environment where it can kind of be like bleach on that dirty picnic table and kind of clean things up. So I would imagine the body's going to start the immune response there and also flush it into the stomach. But if HCL was low – Due to stress, stress, yeah, poor habits, then, eating gluten, then that could have led to the ability for that infection to become more invasive, right? So yes. Now that the enzymes are there, if you were in the same situation again, let's just say maybe it was from skiing. If you're taking enzymes now as a pre-ski supplement, then you know that's that's going to significantly increase your protection, wouldn't you say? Because anything yeah. that does get down. There, there's protection there. So maybe you did like an epic bar and enzymes before you went skiing or something. Yeah, maybe some enzymes, some probiotics, HCL, maybe a little bit of herbs. I try to do a little bit of herbs afterwards with some probiotics just to make sure that doesn't happen. But there's, you know, there's the two types of scenarios where this happens, right? There's the opportunistic bug where you're immunocompromised, you're stressed, your diet's not good, a lot of physical, chemical, and emotional stress overload, and your immune system is now weakened, and then these critters kind of sneak their way to the front door, right? That's like the first scenario. Scenario number two is you get hit with a whole bunch of infectious debris, and it's like having a gang of people outside your door knocking it down, and you're kind of defenseless, right? So scenario one is kind of a chronic setup where you're compromised. Scenario number two is you're just overwhelmed with the amount of debris coming in there, and it's harder for your immune system to respond. Yep. Could you speak on the conventional treatment for this? I think sometimes you and I, we love functional medicine so much, we forget that there are conventional practices out there which are typically very inferior for this type of issue. Yeah, for your conventional parasite, the most common medication that's going to be prescribed is going to be flagell or metronidazole. It's going to be thrown at people, typically one to two weeks at the most. And that may work a third of the time. And quite frequently, it won't work at least two-thirds of the time. And then you have more conventional docs that have, are, are using more, let's say, advanced type of antibiotics that may work better, where it's uh, paramomycin or tinidazole or alinea 
or Homodin. So there's other medications that may be used. Again, I like to use the herbs first because of their safety record. Tend to be a little bit more s selecting towards the bad critters and away from the good. And they uh, tend to also work against biofilms too. And they have synergistic effects like berberines and artemisia work really strong together. And if you add in silver, it can also make the herbs work better. And then you have other herbs like clove or um, grapefruit seed extract that may be beneficial for fungus as well. So there's a lot of synergy that you get with the herbs. And you can do it longer term without as the side effects that you get from the antibiotics. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for bringing that up because I know you've had clients and patients say the same thing they say to me, which is, oh, Evan, I've done all the herbs. They don't work. And it's like, uh, maybe you've just not done the herbs long enough. Maybe the practitioner who created create a protocol that was effective enough, but the herbs do work. And you and I see it every single week in the clinic that it's real and you absolutely can get rid of infections with functional medicine and the right type of approach. 100%. And again, it's going to come down to what's the infection and then the dose. You know, we're using much higher doses. I mean, typically, if you look on the instructions of the, some of the supplements we'll use, the dose is probably 75% less recommended. And we use a lot of herbs and nutrients together synergistically. And the key is, my opinion that really helps, is we're building up the immune system by making the diet, the lifestyle changes, supporting the adrenals and or other hormonal imbalances before we go after the infection. That's what really supports the immune system. So it makes the whole process of eradication much easier and um, easier to, to rebound back from. Well, that and the fact that you and I both use professional healthcare companies to manufacture our products. So if we're yeah. comparing a consumer-grade herb, say from Now Foods or Gaia Herbs or something like that, which can be great compared to a professional healthcare product, I mean the quality is completely different, much, much higher. So when you get, say, 250 milligrams of something, you're actually getting that or you're getting close as you can to that versus – with consumer-grade products that you may buy at Whole Foods, you can't say the same about absorption rates and bioavailability, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And then we're combining it. And then the real key thing is we test afterwards, right? You never want to guess. You want to test. So then we'll follow up with that retest. And like in your situation, we know, hey, the H. pylori came. The H. pylori was was there, right? That was a new infection. So now that's on our bullseye. We tweak your protocol a bit, make sure everything's dialed in, and then we go back to the drawing board. So the next step for you is while we're doing all these things with the H. pylori is get that adrenal retested, see where we're at with it. And then um, the next step would be support whatever systems are out of balance with the adrenals and the thyroid and make sure you're infection free. Yeah. And I'm going to continue to, I took a little break from adaptogens, but I'm going to continue to add adaptogens back in. I can feel it. I got out of the sauna the other day and I was, uh, I took a shower. I just had a real, real light breakfast. Didn't, didn't have much at all. And, and I had some shakes going on in my hands. So I knew it was a combination of maybe like a healing reaction, but some adrenal stress too. I could feel it. I was like, Oh man, it's like, Justin, he's in my head, blood sugar, Evan, blood sugar. So, you know, I had to eat something and, and felt significantly better. But I know there's still there's still some work to be done on the chemical front, too. You and I will have to do another show, if we haven't already, on the GPL talks. We need to get you checked out, too, because I had those insecticides on that GPL that were off the charts. And those are probable carcinogens. So that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, we're going to have to get that done. We'll do a whole podcast on that. So kind of wrapping things up for you Knocked out two infections, cryptogiardia, awesome, really, really good there. Myself, I just came back with the e-histone and a little bit of bacteria and a very small amount of fungus, cleaning that up, been doing that the last two months, getting ready to retest soon. And 
again, the key thing is doing two tests was helpful. I find this really helpful, especially when you really want to rule out gut stuff. And then outside of that, following up with the retest and making sure everything else is dialed in. Yep. Are you doing any any oregano's for like that geotrichome or some of the other fungus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my line I use the GI Clear Five, and I use that at six to eight, six to nine capsules today. I hit it up pretty hard, and then I wow. I followed up with the GI Clear Four in my line, and then I rotated between the one and the six. I went back and forth, and I add a little bit of silver. You know. Again, I can do a little bit more intricate things because I know I'm going to do it. But sometimes with patients, the big thing you got to do is compliance, right? So if you get too intricate with patients, it may create some compliance issues. So I try to keep it more simple. But for myself, I I played around with mixing some things on and off, um, which can be helpful. But again, even just going at it straight forward would probably knock the infection out, no problem. Agreed, man. So you're, you're hitting it pretty darn hard then, nine of those a day. Yeah, yeah, just about done though. I think I used my last GI Clear 4 this morning, so I'm switching over to probiotics, I think tonight. And then I got to get those tests back in and retest by the end of the year. Yeah. How long how long was your was your protocol? Was it do you do 4, 6, 8 weeks? Yeah, I did about 8 to 10 weeks. I was okay. off for a little bit because I was traveling, it was tough to to bring everything, but I, I was yeah. able to maintain it pretty well. Typically, if I cheat with the herbs, I'll at least take morning and night. So when I wake yep. up and when I go to bed, so I at least can get both those in. So if compliance is 90%, most cases you're going to do well. Like you said, if the foundation's already built yeah. into place and diet, lifestyle, stress management strategies, all that's in place too. Exactly. So the key thing is if I miss my afternoon dose, I make sure if I'm supposed to get six of one pill, well, I make sure it's three and three. I don't do two and two and then just say, well, I'll go with a, you know, a 30% less dose. Uh, no, I keep the dose the same. We just double up if we need to. Now, so do you believe, do you put faith in the idea or the term a healing reaction or do you think that's just an overhyped term that's kind of an excuse for someone that's not getting supported properly? Meaning someone's hitting something too hard but the practitioner maybe is not giving them the proper liver support or if this person's not pooping enough and they're really constipated that they're having some of that auto intoxication that way. I mean, is there something to healing reactions or do you think that there's maybe another part of the wheel that just hasn't been cranked at the same time that you're killing this stuff off? I think both. I think if someone's having a healing reaction to start at the normal dose, it tells me that their infection is quite virulent and their immune system and lymphatic system and detox are having a difficult time. I went right up to the full dose with mine and I had no problem. Like not one yeah. symptom, maybe a tiny bit of lethargy or fatigue, no issue. So if a patient goes up to that full dose and they have a reaction, it tells me something. It tells me there's probably a lot of debris the body's trying to respond to and, and kind of flush out and it's having a difficult time. So you know, our list is making sure diet and blood sugar's there, making sure sleep's there, making sure water's there, right? Once that's off our list, making sure we have adrenal support, digestive support, and nutrient support, good. Now that's off our list. Then we go to the infection. And if we're still having that during the infectious time and we're pooping regularly and bowel movements are regular, well, the real simple thing is we cut everything down, cut it out two to three days, get symptom-free, add everything one at a time, half dose to full dose. And if we're really sensitive, we may go quarter to half to three quarters to full and then add the next product in. And as long as we don't have a negative reaction, we go up to the full dose. If we have a negative reaction, we back off, go to the next product. Like So if it's at four caps, the reaction happens, well, great. Back down to three. No problem. Go Move to the on. next one. 
move on. And then once you get everything back in, then you go back up to the first one again and you try inching it back up to the full dose. So that's my supplement reaction or my detox protocol. And then we'll typically add in side by side that is some ginger tea, some activated charcoal and or bentonite clay or diatomaceous earth. I typically pick one. I've been going more with the um, charcoal and the DE these days. We'll even throw in some fiber. It just depends. I love charcoal. Mm-hmm. Charcoal is amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm visualizing this. It's so fun because it's almost like being a sound mixer. You picture you picture the guy at the concert. You know, he he has this little lever over here, this little dial. He spins this dial this way, backs this dial down, pulls up this little switch, flips that lever, turns that button. Boop. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's so fun to do this stuff, man. It, it never gets old. I totally agree. So regarding the healing crisis, I think it means something, but I always tell people, don't be the tough person. Don't try to tough it out. It means something. Back off. Get the ginger tea in. If you want to throw in some charcoal in between meals or some extra fiber, fine, and then we'll gradually increase it one by one. Now, typically anyone that has a long history of autoimmune stuff or gut stuff, I always go slow, but sometimes you get people that are doing pretty well and then you're like, well, let's just back right into a full dose and they get hit by a bus. So right. we just go back quarter, half, three quarters full, or we just start at a quarter, half, and then increase and any negative reactions back off to the last safest dose or and then move on to the next supplement. You're not gonna win a trophy if you finish your protocol faster than somebody else. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And most times if we add in the detox support and curtail the dose, it's like throwing the lobster in water that's already cold, right? Doesn't scream you know, you can you can just turn it up slowly, no problem. You throw the lobster in the hot water, man. Those things make a you know some nice screamy noises that aren't too pleasant. Even though I love lobster, I hate that that part. So I've I've not cooked lobster to to experience that myself. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of empathy for animals, but I also know it's the circle of life, and there's a lot of nutrient density. But that's the whole analogy is going back is if you go slower, you don't get the the nasty effects, right? Instead of the lobster screaming, it's your body and your tummy and your lymph screaming. So for you, hopefully on retest, everything's gone. We're hoping nothing extra shows up for you like a deep rage pylori infection. That's the goal. Yep. I'm feeling pretty good about it, man. Awesome. Cool. Very cool. Well, anything else you want to address, Evan? I don't think so. I think this was well said and we should wrap it up. I think if we keep going, then people will fall asleep. Uh, yeah. So hopefully this is entertaining. And I mean, talk about a level of transparency. I don't think there's anything higher than what we're doing and what we're talking about. So I hope you all enjoy that and, and appreciate that fact because it, it's rare to find this level of transparency. And we have nothing to lose. I mean, this is we're in the trenches every day. So I mean, this is what it's all about. I think people really have a lot to learn seeing that their their doctor or their healthcare practitioner is in the trenches too and doing it and still working on their health. And again, I can't think of any people on, you know, health people on uh, iTunes or on the internet world that are getting this level of transparency and exposure out to their listeners. Yeah, I mean, not that we have the time to go and and research, but I feel like we would have known by now if somebody was revealing everything. There's this weird perception, you know, where if you're the practitioner, you're the expert, you know, you're the the caretaker, that everything is just 100% perfect, and that's not true. There's many different exposures. I mean, you and I do as much as possible as we can to do everything right, but you still go skiing in water where there could be something. I'm convinced that I got the crypto and or the Giardia from swimming in Barton Springs. I took in a huge amount of water. So 
life still happens. And as much as you and I can do the things to try to create these little bubbles of, you know, a nutrition bubble and lifestyle and all these great little parts of our ecosystem, we still operate in an ecosystem that is generally pretty toxic in terms of all the things that are out in the air, food, water, soil. And you're going to, you're going to come across stuff. And it's just about what do you do to increase your resilience against these things? Once you kill them off, like you said, with some of the post-infection support, you know, people may hear, hear this and think, oh, kill, kill, kill. But eventually we're strengthening us too as the host. And so that's why you and I, you know, maybe we take an extra day off or we go spend some more time in nature because that's the stuff that's going to heal you in the long term. You know, you can you can continue to go through rounds of the gut killing protocols. But at the end of the day, if you're not healthy, you're going to continue to get reinfected because the host is weak. And if the host is weak, then um, I mean, that that's something Reed Davis said to me that I thought was pretty profound. He's like kill, kill, kill. He said, but you got to fix you too. The host has got to be resilient. So that's where the adaptogens and all the other fun stuff that we chat about comes in. Absolutely. And if you guys listening and really enjoying it, give us a nice review on iTunes. You can click the link below. Uh, we appreciate your support. Anything else, Evan? I don't think so. Hey man, great chat today. Look forward to doing this again real soon. You too. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. As always, I hope you enjoyed that episode. As I mentioned in the podcast about the Christmas gift ideas, you should check out the Defender Pad. I'm using it right now. It's a laptop EMF radiation shield, and I've measured a 99% drop in electromagnetic radiation fields. And the other 1% is probably just background radiation. You know, typically you're going to pick up 0.1 or 0.2 almost anywhere. And some of that is normal. Some of that's from power lines really far away. Some... You might not ever get a 0.0 reading, but I've been able to drop it from 9 milligauss on my laptop down to a 0.1 or 0.2. So 99% reduction in EMF. Very important. Go to notjustpaleo.com slash defend, and you can check out the laptop pad that I'm using. And there's also a coupon code going right now, and it is Happy Holidays 16 and you get 15% off of the Defender Pad. So check it out, notjustpaleo.com slash defend. That's going to redirect you to their page where you can check it out. And then in the meantime, if you'd like to schedule a 15-minute call with myself, as always, I know you're driving, you're busy, you're doing things. Schedule the call, notjustpaleo.com, and we can chat about your health symptoms, your health goals. I look forward to helping you get better soon. I'll talk with you next week. Take care. Bye. He acts like it's all good, yeah, like everything's cool Kiss a girl and I never please her She doesn't have a clue that he's terrible blues Why I'm in a tie, I got to watch out, girl Don't wanna see her by her eyes out, girl Cause I've been watching, you've been hurting Let me be the one that loves you better